0: Friends, as we prepare to hear our scripture today, we continue this morning in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Last week we had a guest preacher, our conference minister, Reverend Tyler Connolly, and uh, he preached from the Gospel of Matthew. And the reading that we skipped from the narrative uh, lectionary last week was the story of the transfiguration. When Jesus takes three of his disciples up onto a mountaintop, he is transfigured. Uh, Into dazzling white in front of them. He has a conversation with Moses and Elijah And there's a voice that comes from heaven that says this is my beloved child. Uh, Listen to him Uh, This story is important for for many reasons, but one of them is that uh, Because after this moment on the mountain Jesus and his disciples come down and from this point on he will begin his journey to Jerusalem and eventually to his death on the cross And so what we're going to hear for these next six weeks of Lent is stories from that journey and what Jesus teaches his disciples and his hearers as he is on his way to Jerusalem. So today we're going to begin with a very familiar story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, an invitation to us to think about how we are called to live out God's compassion in our lives. Let us listen for the word of God. A reading from Luke 10, 25 through 37. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him,
1: What is written in the law? What do you read there?
0: You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself
1: you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live.
0: But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied to him,
1: a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them, then put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers?
0: The one who showed him mercy.
1: Go and do likewise.
0: This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you join me in a spirit of prayer? O gracious God, as we begin this Lenten journey, meet us in this time. Open our eyes to new ways of seeing you, our ears to new ways of hearing you, our hearts to fill you with us, and our feet to following your ways. We pray this in your name, O Christ. Amen. Well, Jesus is always one to upend expectations. He's the kind of guy that can deliver a punchline that also has a gut punch that stops us in our tracks, that makes us intrigued and convicted and challenged and inspired all at once. And I think this is one of those stories where Jesus does that today. The story of the Good Samaritan, it is so familiar to many of us, I'm guessing that many of us could give an accurate rendition of it right now. The two good guys, or the religious guys, the priest and the Levite, the ones that you would expect to stop and help the person in in the ditch, don't do what they're supposed to do. And the Samaritan, the foreigner, comes alongside, sees the man, and tends to his wounds. And so we are to be like that Samaritan and bind up the wounds of those in our world. Well, this is certainly... uh, a good and key point of Jesus' story but i think there are some particular details in this story which i want to highlight today which i think speak to us and where we are in this season in our lives now by this season i do in fact mean the season of lent and the season that we have just entered a season that we come to every year in the church here a time of introspection and reflection when we return to God and we reorient toward God and we look at uh, who are we and how are we being called to live and what are the things that we need to let go of and what are the things that we want to do in a different way in our lives. In many ways this year is no different than any other as we come to Lent and do this exercise. But in many ways this year is totally we are coming up on the year anniversary of the pandemic, or at least a year since we've kind of shut our lives down to address the pandemic full time. And it's been a year when many of us have already done a lot of reflection. We've had to do a lot of thinking about who we are and what we are about and who are our people and our communities, especially when we can't be around them in this time. And What matters to us in our lives and and what do we want to be about and who who are we in this world not only have we been wrestling with these questions individually but we have been addressing uh, big societal questions we have seen in this last year through the pandemic just how connected our lives are globally how much uh, we need to take care of each other we've also had the veil peeled back on inequities in our world and inequality, especially related to the pandemic, as we see how much it affects uh, communities of color and poor people disproportionately. We've had the veil pulled back uh, so much more on racial injustice, especially since uh, the brutal killing of George Floyd. We've begun to have to do some of that larger reckoning with who are we as a society? who do we want to be as a society and so this is some of what we are doing in this lenten season because as we come to this time in this season now we know we are starting to see glimmers of hope and glimmers of change where the vaccine is being rolled out some of us have already been vaccinated where um, some of us are finally returning to school after a year away others of us who've been away from offices who haven't had to be in that essential worker category we're finally coming back to offices after working from home and um, and so we're we're beginning to get back to normal or at least what will be a new normal and so the question that we want to wrestle with this lent is who are we going to be who are we going to be as we come back from pandemic who is God calling us to be and are there things that we have learned during this time of pandemic things that we've learned we need to let go of we don't need to add back into our life are there things that we have discovered about ourselves that we want to keep that we want to hold on to are there practices that we want to be involved in as we uh, go forward into whatever our new normal looks like and what do we want the world to And this is where our story can be so instructive for us this morning. Because I think it invites us to approach our lives and to think about how we live out uh, God's love and uh, compassion and mercy in our lives. There's three things I'm going to invite us to look at, three details uh, from this story. Um, One is an enemy. (laughs) The other is uh, action, and the third is long haul. And so I just want to address these three little details from the story. The first is enemy. We hear the word good Samaritan, and it's a phrase that we know so well. We've heard it so many times about the person who stops and helps a stranger. We have hospitals named after it, charities named after it. But to the early Jewish listeners in uh, Jesus' circle and in Luke's circle, a Samaritan was an enemy. The Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. They had a long history, kind of like a family rivalry. I often think of it like the Hatfield and McCoys. They go back generations. They both chase themselves to the 12 tribes of Israel. But over the years, their cultures have separated. They both worship. Uh, God, they both uh, read the Torah, albeit slightly different versions and interpretations. They both worship God, but in different temples and different locations. And these become significant differences, so much so that they each see themselves as right and the other as wrong. To hear uh, a story about a quote unquote "good Samaritan would uh, have been so um, unusual in that early Jewish year. Uh, To capture the idea how it might ring in our ears today, one might say the good white supremacist, right? The good sort of Christian white supremacist that maybe reads the same Bible we do but comes out in a really different place than we might as progressive Christians. What's more than this is the disciples have just been to Samaria, We skipped the story of the Transfiguration, but we also skipped a story about how Jesus um, came through Samaria and went to a city and asked his disciples to go uh, into the city and find a place for them to rest for the night. And the Samaritans didn't want to welcome the Jews any more than the Jews wanted to welcome the Samaritans, and so there was no place for them to stay. And they had to keep moving. And so when the disciples come back to Jesus and say, there's no place for us to stay, they ask if they can rain down fire on the city. And Jesus says, no, that's not how we're going to handle it. And then a chapter later, Jesus goes on to tell a story where a Samaritan, the enemy, was the hero. It wasn't the priest. It wasn't the Levite. It wasn't even a regular Israelite, but it was the enemy who was the hero of the story. In other words, Jesus knew that the story had to be changed, that there was too many divisions between who was right and who was wrong, who was good and who was bad. And so Jesus is upending these expectations. As one of my favorite preachers, Barbara Brown Taylor, uh, says, Jesus knows that sometimes you have to tell a different kind of story before a different kind of future can unfold. And so Jesus is helping to change the story and plant a different vision of who they are and of who they can be. And it's not based on their labels. It's not based on what they believe. But rather, it's based on what they do and how they act. And this gets to the second thing I wanted to focus on, which is action when the lawyer in this story comes to jesus and asks, who is my neighbor he's basically asking for a label who do i have to love and essentially who can i leave out from love and jesus comes back not with any particular categories he doesn't come back and say love the people that live down the street from you love the people in your synagogue love the people in your same town that that's who your neighbor is instead He defines a neighbor by what a neighbor does and he tells the story about the man who's wounded along the road and the priest and the Levite and the Samaritan now the Samaritan in this story as we know is the one who acts and he acts boldly for the priest and Levite it says they They come by and they pass by the other side of the road. But the Samaritan sees. He sees and then it says he comes near. But not only does he come near, he comes near and he looks. And he sees the man in the ditch. He sees him naked and wounded. And he's naked and he he doesn't know. By The clothing would have told you who he was. But he doesn't even know who it is. He can't tell. And yet, in that scene, that person, in all of that vulnerability, the Samaritan is moved with compassion. And so he stops, and he gets off his horse, and he gets, opens his saddlebags, and he begins to get out oil and wine. And he comes, and he kneels down beside the man. And he begins to put oil and wine on the wounds, and he gracefully and tenderly bandages up the wounds. And once the man is bandaged, he lifts him onto his horse. And who knows how that Samaritan, how fast he might have been going to try to get to town through that notoriously bad road where bandits were. But now he has to go slow. And slowly he goes as he carries this man into town, takes him to the inn, pays the innkeeper to care for him, says, I will check in with him later, and promises to pay whatever else is owed. The Samaritan acts. And he acts again and again. He could have stopped at any time. He could have stopped just after he saw him and then gone into town and told someone else to come back. He could have stopped after just bandaging the wounds, left him there, and hoped someone else would have picked him up. He could have delivered him at the inn and said, you're on your own, good luck now. But instead, he stayed all the way through. My hunches it probably was a bit of an inconvenience for him. Probably not something he planned on during the day. It took extra time. It took his supplies. It took his energy. It took his money. And yet he saw it through to the end. We don't know why the priest and the Levite didn't stop, the text doesn't tell us. Some might guess out of fear they were worried if they stopped what might happen to them. But I also wonder if they were just uh, so focused on what they needed to do, on getting to the next thing, on knowing that if they stopped it was going to be a huge pain, a huge inconvenience And they just didn't have time for that. And that gets to the third thing, the long haul. You see, the Samaritan was the one who acted. And he acted in the long haul kind of way, not like the priest and the Levite who just passed them by. And when the lawyer even posed this question to Jesus in the first place, he began with, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? The way it's phrased in the Greek, it's it's almost as if he's saying, what do I need to check off to have eternal life? Kind of like, what's on my to-do list to get this done? And what Jesus responds with is this story that is about action, but action over the long haul. Action that is based in relationship and is based in stopping and seeing and paying attention and bandaging and taking care of. And it's not something that can just be done right away, that you can check off a list, throw a 20 to the guy, give a Band-Aid to the guy, and it's done. But instead, it takes time and energy and mercy and compassion. And to me, I think this is where the story really becomes important for us on our journeys of Lent. As we think about how we are called to live, as we think about the stories we want to tell and the stories told about us, as we think about what the kind of world we want to build in the world. The fact of the matter is, this last year, we have seen many people in the ditch. We have seen bodies uh, traumatized by the pandemic pushed off to the side we have seen people of color immigrants poor people our black and brown siblings who have been hurt by police so many of them ending up in the ditches pretty much everyone who is not white and not well to do and so a question becomes especially for those of us who are white and well-to-do, who have privilege, who have power, is are we going to stop and help? And are we going to help in a way that acts for the long haul, that's more than just the quick fix, that's more than just the easy way, but can we stay in it for the long haul? And I ask this and say this because I, I know I need that help and that accountability, too. I like helping people, but it's also uh, nice when you can check it off your list when there's something easy to be done and you can do it and fix it and it's done. But it's harder work to stay in relationship and to look at our own vulnerability and to uh, try to... to To take care and bandage and heal and then go the further step of advocating and trying to change policies so that there's safer roads for people to travel from Jerusalem to Jericho so there can be escorts so people don't have to go alone so we can change the way the system works. Tyler Connolly mentioned this in his sermon last week but uh, it's something that's come up in some of the circles I've been in too and that is that uh, We've heard from some of our uh, Black and Indigenous and People of Color faith community leaders here in Portland that one of the things that they're worried about is how white uh, leadership seems to be flagging, how there was so much energy um, in the summer to really push for Black Lives Matter and to work for racial justice. But over time uh, in the months, uh, that energy has started to flag. And white people are realizing this is hard work and this is exhausting work and it's work that takes time and energy and money and that uh, it's easier to sort of duck out and to pass by and to pretend we don't see and to try to go back uh, to normal. but the reality is we can't go back to normal we can't go back to the way things were and so, As people of faith, and especially as those of us who are white people of faith, part of how I think we are being called is to stay in for the long haul and to continue to work for God's justice and peace. And so I say this in hopes that you will keep me accountable, that we can keep each other accountable. And also because this is... um, this is work that all of us need to do in, in, in all of our lives in terms of how do we just continue to show compassion and continue to show mercy and who are the people in our lives who need the compassion and the mercy that we have to offer it's not enough to trust in labels that We might believe the right thing, or we're a priest, or a Levite, or a progressive Christian, and that's enough. Rather, what this story seems to teach is that it is in our actions that we make God's love known. And it's in paying attention to the people in front of us, and to the needs in front of us, and staying in for the long haul. So may we hear God's voice calling to us. May we be people moved with compassion, moved to action, moved to to love in action. And may God continue to bless us on our Lenten journeys. Amen.